All right, everybody, welcome to Real Live Talk. I'm uh, Duke Lamastra. I'm your host, and uh, really excited that you're here checking out this episode. I'm super pumped and blessed to be here today with my friend Brandon Sanders. Brandon is the executive pastor at Powerhouse Church in West Houston, Texas. He's also the founder and CEO of iLife, a humanitarian organization advocating for and mentoring at-risk youth and families. And uh, he's also part of a global team known as Genesis that provides strategic solutions to organizations for strength and growth. And uh, look, Brandon, I don't say this lightly, man, but uh, but you're the real deal. And all the years that I've known you, brother, um, I've just seen you as somebody who's been so willing in ministry to just get into the trenches with people, uh, figuratively sometimes even, like just get into the the, the trenches and into the nitty gritty with people and walk people through stuff and to really serve. And I, I think that you're somebody who, at least in my opinion, my estimation, that you really understand the heart of what ministry is all about. You know, it's not, it's not about the, the platform. It's not about the stage or the lights or the well-crafted sermons. Not that anything's wrong with any of that, but it's really about serving people and serving people so well that Jesus is authentically represented in the process. So I just very much appreciate you, man. I'm stoked that you're here with me. So thanks so much for your time, brother. Hey, thank you for having me, man. I'm honored. Um, you know, I feel the same about you. And uh, it's just I'm grateful to serve. You know, God's been really good to me in my life. And, you know, when you've been through some things and God's brought you through some things, you can't help but give back. So I'm honored to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Thanks again. Well, there, there's like so many things that I want to talk to you about. And uh, maybe maybe we'll just start off here uh, just kind of reminiscing a little bit. So um, you and I, we go back a, a, a number of years. Um, I'm, I'm currently in Mobile, Alabama, which, you know, where you, you used to be for uh, what, where, where are you from originally? Well, I'm originally I'm a wanderer. So I, I lived in okay. southern Louisiana, uh, spent some time in Georgia. Um, Mobile is where I really got connected to God. So I consider that home. That's where okay. I was born again. That's where I was discipled. Awesome. And that's where I was launched into ministry. So, yeah, man. So I actually don't know a lot about your backstory. Like I, I really don't, I don't really know how you got your start into ministry and all of that. Are you uh, interested <laughs> in sharing a little bit about that with me? Sure. Sure. No problem. Appreciate man. It. You know, um, I, um, uh, well, you know, my life was, you know, a little chaotic in the beginning. You know, my father killed my mother when I was young and I was orphaned oh and goodness. grew up and in foster care and was never adopted. And, uh, you know, I spent some time in some boys homes and uh, different things of that nature. And as a young teenager, got involved in drugs and, you know, mm -hmm. wanted to be a gangster. And so kind of started to turn my life to the streets. And as a young man, spent a lot of time in and out of jail. And, uh, you know, I always have. Uh, had a concept of God. I'd been around religion. You know, I even stayed in some Christian children's homes, you know, and, um, well, um, you know, uh, around the age of 30, I really began to question my life, began to question my existence. I was always looking for God. You know, I tried Islam. I tried new age. I tried different things, studied different religions, different philosophies. I considered myself a thinker, you know, that can be good or bad sometimes. And, uh, you know, long story short, man, I had come to a place in my life where I had uh, the drugs had got the best of me and I had done everything I knew to get clean, to stay clean. And uh, the last go around, I had been clean for about a year and then I mm. relapsed. And at wow. that relapse, I just completely gave up. And mm. to be honest with you, I went to kill myself. 
I was that fed up with life. I was that tired of being alive, that tired of the struggle. And it was in that moment that I began to cry out to God, uh, not really knowing who I was crying out to. I just began to say, God, I, I need you. I need to change. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know who to call. I'm here all alone. I've heard about you my whole life. I need to know if you're real. And I mm -hmm. believe I met the Lord that night. And uh, I got up from that place and um, I ended up going to Mobile, Alabama on my way to New Orleans, Louisiana, because I had lived in New Orleans before and uh, not knowing what I was going to do. And in, in uh, Mobile, I met a guy and I ended up in the Wings of Life. And the Wings of Life is a okay. faith-based recovery program, but it's really a discipleship program. They're yeah. at the Wings. Uh, I was taught the word. Um, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And from there, uh, God began to launch me into ministry, just sharing my story. I started going to the neighborhoods, you know, working with the kids and things just began to take off from there. So. Oh, man. So, yeah. well, that makes that. Oh, OK, so um, <laughs> I, I was unaware, man. I, I, I truly was. I was unaware that you got your start in ministry through the Wings of Life program. So when I met you, uh, you know, however many years back that was eight years, 10 years, whatever that was when I first met you. Um, that's what you were doing. You were, you were serving with at the wings of life through the wings of life. Uh, just going around doing, doing awesome stuff, awesome ministry, preaching the gospel. Uh, I don't think you could, I don't think anybody could ever get you to stop preaching the gospel because it's just, <laughs> it's just in you. It's going to come out of you no matter what. And, uh, so I met you in that context. So you actually, um, you were a, you were a member of that organization in terms of, um, you were, you were there in the rehabilitation program, discipleship program personally. And then that's where you really uh, got connected with God. And so your ministry was birthed out of that place. It was. Yes. You know, that's I awesome. look back now, you know, uh, yeah, I went through the program and it was there that I really uh, got deep into the word. And I actually when I graduated the 90 day program, they have an extended program called the Dove Foundation, which is like a, a, a they call it a Bible school. It's really a servant leadership program. It's where you you serve the ministry. You can work in different parts of the ministry and you serve the residents. So I Got went it. back to work. I was a diesel mechanic by trade. And, you know, I had no 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 thoughts of going into ministry. I never desired to be a preacher, never desired, never thought I'd be doing what I'm doing with my life today. And uh, I went back to work and I just didn't feel right. And I just mm. something kept telling me you're not supposed to be here. You're supposed mm -hmm. to be back at the wings. And I went back and talked to the pastor and I said, look, I just can't shake this feeling that I'm supposed to stay here and I'm supposed to help the ministry. So that's what I did. I started, man. I started cleaning toilets. I started pressure washing sidewalks and mopping Come up on. the kitchen floor and just serving people. And in wow. the process of doing that, I remember, you know, I had an opportunity to share my story. Somebody asked me to share my testimony and I'm going to tell you, I was nervous you wouldn't believe it now, but I, I did not like to talk in front of people. I was nervous. I was shaking. I didn't know what to do. But, man, once I did it and I saw people's response, you know, God began to tell me, hey, you know, I, I want you to, to lead people to me. So that's what I began to do with my life and eventually went through the program. I was ordained as a minister there um, as I stayed with the program, worked with the program. You know, you saw me as we launched an outreach program, founded mm -hmm. a ministry called yeah. Urban Missionaries. Uh, we worked with a lot of the young guys, you know, different Christian hip hop artists, uh, taking them into neighborhoods, doing the outreach, and it began to birth. And so here we are today. Yeah, man. Well, I know you were, you guys were were running at like full speed uh, back in those days, just doing event after event. And I, I had the the privileged opportunity, you know, on a handful of occasions to be alongside you at an event, uh, whether it was something that we were doing, and then you guys like 
just just came and were a part of it or something where where we just you know teamed up for some reason and uh man i i love those opportunities i, I miss i miss those days man for real and uh just having those opportunities to kind of like be alongside you and i i just saw you in 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 that context of just yeah i mean so often what what the nature of the events or the location of the events or you know whatever it is that that people of all kinds come out you know and so you're you're there you're talking to people who are um, addicted to drugs people who are you know in broken home situations people who are living on the streets just all of that and uh you were just just constantly moving you even told me a minute ago i guess it's still going on you've basically been 17 days straight uh just now just coming off of if you know a few different events back to back and uh just that life of just like honestly again just being willing to lay your life down and to serve because the the scripture that popped into my head as you were uh just finishing up your last statement was you know he who has been uh forgiven much will love much you know and so i i just uh there, there's there's this thing that was birthed inside of you because of what god saved you out of and rescued you out of obviously not a pretty story um and truly i didn't know like uh those those like specific details of your past and uh, so I appreciate you sharing that, man. But like, you know, the 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 redemptive power of Jesus and what he does in our lives when he rescues us out of that that pit that we're in, whether it's addiction, whether it's despair, whether, you know, whatever it might be, he rescues us out of that. And then to like um, run forward with it for the sake of um, the fact that you have a story, like whether your story is, is as intense as Brandon's or not, like, like you have a story. And so being willing to just run with that and connect with people, whether, whether you're like, I mean, not everybody's called a full-time ministry or anything like that, but anyway, I just connected with that man. Cause I love, I love that you were sort of, um, you, you, you have, you have that song going way back. If I could talk about one of your songs, the, the fire, fire in my bones. Song. Fire in my bones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I tried, you tried to go back to your regular job and, and it was just something inside of you. That was just like that impulse that was just telling, you, no, you need to be, you need to be doing this and shifting. And, um, I love that, man. I love, I love God's redemptive story. And, uh, and I love where you are and what you're doing and the way that you're advocating for young people and people that are in, you know, situations that might be similar to what you were in, or maybe not similar, but just people that are stuck in that place, you know, and uh, yeah, just love it, man. Yeah, yeah, you know, we, uh, we, uh, you know, we all have purpose, you know, we're all destined for something, I believe that God created man with purpose in his heart, you know, Ecclesiastes 311 says he put eternity in the hearts of men. Mm. And like you said, you know, it doesn't mean everybody really is a full time minister, no matter where you go, no matter where you're at, you know, it yeah, doesn't mean man. you have to stop what you're yeah. doing and work in a church. You yeah. Know? I work in a Love church it. now, but, you know, we try to teach our people here that when you're at work, you know, you're an example. You're a witness. Yeah. You, know, you have a fire in your bones, a fire 100%. to consecrate yourself to God and show people what kindness, love, gentleness, the fruits of the spirit, what those look like. That's what it means to be a witness. You know, I think about somebody on the witness stand in a court. You put your hand up and you say, I'm about to swear that this is true. Mm. And so we show the world how true God is by his redemptive power through Come the on. change that's taking place in our lives. So I know that everybody matters. People are valuable to God. There are no accidents when it comes to human beings. I tell people all the time, I'm not just pro-birth, I'm pro-life. So I'm an advocate for life. I believe that everybody has something in them. The image of God is in every human being. And so we yeah, need to man. honor that in people. And we need to call that out of people. 
You know, I share something with you really quick. You know, when Adam was created in the garden, you know, it's amazing that God created the animals, but then gave Adam the power to name them. So yeah. God put the God put the purpose and the identity in the creature, and then He told Adam, "Now, Adam, you name them." Mm. That word in the Hebrew means "call forth." So when Adam spoke over those animals, he was calling forth their identity. And I believe that innate in the human being is the power to call forth the identity in people. As husbands, we have to do it for our wives. As fathers, we do it for our children. And as spiritual fathers and pastors, we do it for the people that follow us. We speak to the thing in them that God created them for. Mm. And so I love doing that. I love seeing people come alive. I love seeing people find hope. I mean, that's, that's what I live and breathe for. So, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, man, that's so good. I love what you're saying. Um, it's like, like God, God has, God has given us this, um, just amazing ability, not, not our ability, but his ability in us that he's actually, he's given us that power. He's given us that authority. He's given us that invitation to where, when we speak, when we declare, when we decree, when we say what God is saying, that when we, when we speak the, the word of God and the will of God, and we speak over the lives of people that people actually do, they have that opportunity, that chance to come alive. Like, um, like I, I just think about that story, man, like um, in, in the in the valley of the dry bones where God, God didn't just speak over them. Right. He didn't just say, say, you know, he didn't speak personally to the bones and tell them to come alive. He started asking questions. Hey, can these bones live? And the prophet's response is, well, you know, Lord. <laughs> and so God keeps pushing him. And he's like, he's like, speak to these bones. You know, you speak to them. And uh, and and that that is, man, it's such a it's such a great privilege that we have. But also such a responsibility, I think, as men of God, as women of God, to to stand in that place, to stand in that gap, sometimes for people that can't do it for themselves and to to say, you know what, I see this in you. I see something that you can't see right now. And so being able to like have those those eyes of the spirit and to recognize, okay, God, this person, I love what you said, man. That, that every single person is an image bearer of God. Every single person is created in the image of God. The ones that are like so messed up that that society or that like a lot of people would would just ignore and say, you know what, we're we don't we don't have time for this. We just like try to put little band-aids on it or whatever. But like that person right there, that person has destiny. That person has purpose. And sometimes the only thing that somebody actually needs is somebody to come alongside them and to, to begin to speak life and to point people in that direction of their purpose and their identity. You know? Yes, I totally agree with that. Yes. And so like what what do you do with um, t- tell me a little bit about this uh, about I life. Yeah, well, our life is a is a new endeavor. You know, ever since we 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 came into ministry, you know, you saw me. I, I, I've worked with the kids. I love kids. I love young people, and um, I've just always had a heart for youth. And so, when we started out with Urban Missionaries, it was geared toward mostly inner city youth and some of the most violent areas in Mobile. You know, Mobile at the time was the fourth most violent city in America per capita. Mm. So if you look at how many residents it's had, the murder rate was very high. You know that being a resident there. And so we just felt like, you know, how can we, you know, as Christians be 15 miles from these young kids killing each other and not be concerned about it? And so we're like, we got to do something. And so we began to go. And from there, we got connected with the school in the area, the boys and girls clubs. We started working closely with them, doing after school programs. And um, it's something that's just carried on. So when I moved out here to Texas, I, I know I'm in the suburbs. I'm in Katy. But, you know, I, I remember when I first came, I said, Lord, you know, this is like a whole nother world. Mm. What am I doing out here? 
you know, and I remember that I felt the spirit say to me, he said, Brandon, these people are dying of sin too. Mm. Everybody needs the gospel. Wow. You know, their problems aren't as visible because they have money, they have jobs, careers to cover it up. But on the inside, the human heart is the same and everybody wow. needs Jesus. And so as I began to work in the area and, 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 you know, another opportunity, it's all divine, you know, an opportunity to begin to go into the alternative school here for KDISD opened up. So we began to go into the school. They gave us a classroom and we began to teach uh, life skills and character building. They said, you can't preach the gospel. Well, you know me, I'm not, I'm not afraid to, to not take a Bible and thump some scripture because I believe Jesus lives in us, that we carry him everywhere we go. And so it's the way we treat people that exposes them to Christ. It yeah. makes them curious, like, and there's something about you that's different. Yeah. Of man. course, it didn't take long with me spending some time with the kids and they would say, hey, man, you're a preacher, aren't you? You know, because, <laughs> you know, Christ just comes out of you. And I believe that as a church, we have to learn that, that if we're going to impact the world, because that's the commandment that Jesus left. He said, go ye therefore into all the world and make disciples. He didn't say stay in the church. Now, I believe in the local right. church. You know, I'm a pastor like you. I love the local church. Sure. I love the fivefold ministry. I love to build the church. I love to edify the saints. I love having church and corporate worship. But there is a time where we have to go. And in order to go, we've got to be able to go and let Christ come out of us. We can't come be on. afraid of sin. So how did our life birth? Well, we knew that being a church or coming in under the covering of a church is an obstacle when you begin to work with the school systems. And so we began to see there's only so much that we can do. I'll just share with you a quick fact. What I found is that 92% of these kids that I was working with were fatherless. They were from single parent homes. And that's not a bad 92% of these kids. Wow. Um, I also learned that, you know, when you begin to study the education system and you look at star testing and you look at core curriculum, it's really designed to prepare kids for a four-year college. Mm-hmm. Well, I find that a lot of kids aren't going to go to a four-year college. Right. And so so many of them, they're put into different type of programs for learning disabilities. But they really don't have learning disabilities. They just learn differently. I was the kind mm-hmm. of kid I learned hands-on. I mean, I was a high school dropout. Um, you really need a bachelor's degree to do what I'm doing now. But I've learned things simply by observing, having mentors in my life. But when I was young, I worked with my hands. If you put me with a guy and he would show me how to do something, I I learned visually. Um, So I found that a lot of these kids were being stigmatized and labeled, but they're very smart. And they know how to take care of their sisters and their brothers. They're taking care of their younger siblings. They're making sure bills get paid. They're cooking meals. You know what I'm saying? These are 15, 16-year-old kids, and they're, they're handling adult responsibilities. So they're not dumb at all. They just some of them lack the opportunity or they're not as focused because of the things that are going on with their life. So anyway, well, can, can, I, can I stop you right there for a second? I want yeah. I want you to keep going. It's just that, um, yeah, man, I've sometimes, you know, we we can be so stuck in our in our little bubble of, of like what life is and not even realize like when you think about just all the stuff that like today, like even just thinking about like social media and like some, some of the pressures that kids are facing today that are growing up in schools and stuff like that. Um, just like the regular stuff as, as, as a kid, you know, let's say you're, you're, you're a kid, you're from a good, you know, you have a mom and a dad, you're from a you know good home. You're more or less you're you've, you know, financially your family's doing okay and stuff like that. There's still some pressure, like, you know, becoming a teenager, going through adolescence and development and like all the, all the stuff that like bombards kids' minds and everything. But like um, when you when you think about some of the 
kids that are going to school like that you're in school with today like that are our young people that are that they're going to school with today that like so often man we don't even take the time to think about what is this what is this kids this teenagers home situation like and like you said there's 15 year olds 16 year olds 14 year olds that are like dealing with maybe maybe their parent is in rehab or and and they're you know they're there they're taking care of their little siblings and then we can like ostracize kids without knowing their situation for like like oh they they're just they're just not good in school they just don't apply themselves they just whatever and so we start to attach labels to people not even recognizing that hold on like this is not a dumb kid this is not a dumb person this is not someone that doesn't want to learn you don't even know that this person like they go home and they can't even sleep through the night because of the the violence that's going on downstairs in their home or the violence that's going on next door or you know whatever like they get two hours of sleep a night and then they're in school and they can't stay awake but that's all that that we see and so often i think man like we don't take the time to put ourselves into someone else's shoes and so we just assume that they're messed up or they're not good at this or they're not whatever and so I, i'm i i love what you are saying about like recognizing hold on this it, just because this person doesn't learn the way that maybe like 75% of the kids in the class learn doesn't mean that they're dumb doesn't mean that they don't want to learn maybe they just learn differently and i really do think that our education system the way that it's designed it's designed like you said to move people through a certain process and to just get on to the next the, the next step the next process but not everybody learns that way and not everybody is supposed to learn that way and so um anyway man i i didn't want to i, I want you to keep going i, I was just um what you were saying was just really resonating with me because uh, I've been thinking about that a lot lately is like we need to focus on the things that, you know, to to an extent anyway. And I don't really exactly 100 percent know how to do this because of the way the educational system is designed. Maybe you can give, shed some insight into this. But like like recognizing that, you know, I think we're really quick to just like medicate kids because they're not learning the way that everyone else learns or they're not paying attention in class. Like, hold on a second. Let's actually see like. Let's see what they're passionate about. Let's see what they're good at. And let's begin to speak into those things and let's begin to move them in that direction and focus on those areas where we can actually help them grow and help them develop their learning ability or help them develop, um, you know, the giftings and the talents that are inside of them. Does that make? Yeah. Anyway, keep going. Makes perfect <laughs> sense. That, that, that's what our life is all about. Yeah. You know, and everything is based on the power of relationship. You know, as human beings, we're created good. for relationship. And if you look at where we're at in our society today, what is under attack is relationship, social mm -hmm. media. Uh, what does it do? The thing that's supposed to bring us together actually keeps us apart. You know, um, look at our political divide. I mean, it's all about labeling people and grouping people. Just like you say, you know, you see True. a kid that's struggling in school. We label him and we put him in a group. Well, he's mm -hmm. an individual. And I think the key is we got to spend time with them. So that's what our life is about. It's about really getting to know a young person and finding those giftings, finding those talents and finding those passions. I call it you discover and then you uncover. That was mm. Gus D'Amato who trained Mike Tyson. He said when okay. he would find a great fighter, he would discover what their what their strengths were and then he would uncover it then so that they would recognize what their strengths are. It's good. So our, our life is designed to work with the kid and to send them on a life path of something that they love. 
You know, the first thing that gets cut in schools when they stop funding are like um, extracurriculum courses, like shop yeah, classes, auto yeah, mechanics, man. auto body. And, you know, those are the middle skills that are missing in America. You know, plumbers, electricians, those trades have been looked down upon before in the past, but those guys can make $100,000 a year. And so what we do when we find young men that, that learn differently, that learn hands-on, we try to connect them with local business people and part of internship and mentorship programs. So we do the yeah. life skills and the character building, and uh, we try to connect them with men or women in the community, just whoever it may be, a business owner, to try to teach them, hey, you can overcome any obstacle. You can be an entrepreneur. You, know, you can awesome. start your own business off of your passion. So, you know, it's a process that we go through, but that is the goal, to help a kid un uncover who they are, to discover who they are, to discover their gifts, and then to launch them into a, into a life of fulfillment. That's awesome, man. Oh, yeah. it's so good. Um, and uh, okay, so then at the same time, um, you have, so there as the executive pastor at Powerhouse Church, um, you, I, I, I've, I've just seen that you have this ministry that's man church, right? Yes, <laughs> and yes. so I want to talk about that too, because it, it sounds like the the, the the heart is is similar. I know those things are not are not connected in that way, but uh, but so the the idea with man church, right, is that um, you're instilling values in men, right, and uh, teaching teaching men about um, about their purpose and about manhood. Like I know I saw where you uh, it looks like your um, I don't know if it's if it's a motto or exactly what it is, but I saw this statement that uh, that that manhood and Christ like wh what is it? I don't want I don't want to mess it up, but yeah, manhood yeah. and Christ likeness being being one and the same. Yeah, manhood and Christ-likeness are synonymous. Yeah, there you go. That's what we teach. That's what we believe. That if you want to see masculinity, you want to see true manhood, you look at Jesus. He's the example. Mm. And so in through that, are you working with is it adult men? Is it is it teen is it young men and adult men? Like how how does that work? Well, we work with both. We focus on adult men. So you know, there's all kind of if you look at statistics, just to, let's just take the church. The church globally is 80% female, 20% male. Really? In, yes, really. Um, the pandemic that has affected the globe more than COVID is fatherlessness. Here in America, 43% of our children are born with no fathers. 63% of our children live with no fathers. So at mm. some point, their father is missing. Um, that's a big number. I'll just yeah. give you some stats really quick. 85% of men in prison come from fatherless homes. Eighty-five percent of men that are currently in prison come from fatherless wow. homes. Wow. Ninety percent of homeless runaways come from fatherless homes. Seventy-five mm. percent of kids that have adolescent behavioral problems come from fatherless homes. So it is a problem. There is something about a father, and we believe it's biblical. That when you look at it's not about uh, the man being better than the woman. It's sure. not about that at all. Sure. It's about the roles that God designed for men and women to play. And, you know, single moms do a great job. We advocate for single moms. We help single moms. You know, even yeah. when I was in Mobile, we were all about going into the communities and helping the moms <clears throat> raise the kids. Um, but fatherlessness is an epidemic. It's a pandemic that's killing our leadership. Look at our political system, the entitlement, uh, the disrespect of authority. We believe that all that comes from a lack of fathers in our homes uh poverty poverty is a direct result of fatherlessness if you study mm -hmm. it out so what we try to do is we work with men we try to 
help men become better fathers by teaching them biblical principles of manhood. For instance, we say maturity doesn't come with age, but it comes with the acceptance of responsibility. Mm. Uh, many Christians advocate against abortion, but the leading cause of abortion are immature males. Wow. Say that again, man, please. The leading cause of abortion are immature males. Wow. Men that won't take responsibility for their decisions. So they leave a woman alone, abandoned, right, to, to try to raise a kid on her own. And many times they're afraid. And so the leading cause of abortion are immature men. Hmm. And so all of these things, we believe that all of the things that we see in our society are a direct result of lack of men taking their yes. place and taking responsibility. And we believe it's biblical. When you read in the Bible, you look at Adam. When Adam was created in the image of God, a God gave Adam a mandate. He gave Adam command to tend and to keep the garden. God never spoke to the woman until after the fall. Mm -hmm. So many times when we teach the doctrine of original sin, we say the woman ate from the tree. But we teach that it was man's neglect of his responsibility to protect wow. the woman, to give her God's word. So we teach that men are the priests of their home and that it's not in the dominating way. It's in a serving way. It's servant leadership. So man church is about building men, raising sons, really raising fathers teaching men how to father, not only their natural families, but our communities. We need yeah. men that will take responsibility for our communities. They'll take responsibility for our neighborhoods. They'll take responsibility for the gun violence. And we'll find solutions through the word, through being Christ-like. We can begin to have answers to the problems that we face as a people. So. Wow. So how huge is that? So, you you know, you're talking about statistics. And so if we're talking about a young a young whether it's a, a young lady or a young man, maybe, you know, in their teenage years, and there is no father in the home, how important is it? So like, you, like what you just said there was uh, teaching, teaching men how to, or, you know, teaching fathers how to be fathers, but not to just father their own children, but to actually begin to, to, to shepherd their community, right? And to be involved yes. in the community. So like, how big of a deal is it if, if somebody a young person that does not have a father figure in the home, but maybe there's a man in that community that's, you know, whether maybe they're in the man church or, or not, but there's a man in that community that, you know, maybe their kids are friends or something like that. When, so not, not the actual father of the young man or, or, or lady, but someone else that can sort of step in and in a sense, you know, not completely, but in a sense, fill that role of just saying like, um, I'm, I'm, I'm here for you or, uh, you know what I mean? To, like how, how big of a deal is that for someone? Have you seen that play out with some, with, um, with men who just sort of take on a more active role in whether it's the lives of, again, like someone that their kids are friends with, or, um, you know, just in their community, in their neighborhood, have, have you seen that take effect? And have you been able to, I don't know, have you ever seen like the results of, of what happens in those situations? Yes. I mean, I, you know, that's what we teach. We teach men, yeah. you know, you know, you, that's why that we go in the school. So we're right now, we're in three different school districts. We're in seven different schools and we do the classrooms, but it also breaks down to one-on-one -on -one mentoring. So as we're uh, working with men in the church, we're getting them connected to the community. We're showing mm -hmm. them the needs in the community. We, uh, we recently, uh, we had a neighborhood here during COVID, the young men, you know, they took down all the goals at the parks, all the basketball goals, the kids were out of school 
So, you know, they were home. So, you know, you got 14, 15, 16 year old, your young man, testosterone's pumping in their heart. You know, they're boys, they're men, you know, we got to be active. Yeah, we got to get some energy out, you know? And uh, so the, the manager of the trailer park called us and said, Hey guys, I know y'all do man church and you got men. Y'all used to come over here. Can y'all help me out? I said, well, yes, ma'am. What do you need? She said, well, I just need a basketball goal. I said, why don't I come down there and talk with you and you tell me what's going on? Wow. So I went and met her. Her name is Miss Gina. She runs a trailer park down the street here. And she was telling me, man, my young men are just, they've been locked up for six months. They're going crazy, running around, jumping on cars, you know, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. So I looked around and I said, hey, you know what? You got enough room here. We can build you a basketball court. Well, wow. now I want to say something to that. That's the power of a giving church, a tithing yeah, church. Man a giving church. People say, why do you want people to give? Well, we need to be able to impact the world. You can only impact the world if you've got money to do it with. So we went down there. We hired a concrete company. Uh, we put in two basketball goals, built the court. We had it painted and striped, you know, with a three-point line. And now we got men that go down there every week on Thursday, and they have church at the court. They play basketball. They have pizza. Then they sit the boys down, and they talk to them about life. We're yeah, going to be doing baptisms. We're going to baptize about eight or nine boys here in the next couple of weeks, along Come with on. the manager of the complex. Now, listen, when we met the manager of the trailer park, she wasn't saved. She actually had a bad taste in her mouth about Christianity. But like I said, because our guys have kept the word every time she calls, every time there's a need, we go, we meet it. Every you know, we're always there. We keep our word to her. We show up. We're on time. She gave her life to the Lord not long ago. Wow, at man. a lunch table with a group of our men telling them how they've impacted her life. And so I believe that's the future of ministry. You know, you've got to have the local church, but the local church is not just where we meet on Sunday morning. The local church right. is the body of Christ. Right. It's the people right. going out. And so have I seen it work in my own life? You know, I've got a young man that uh, when I was at the Wings of Life, his his aunt was a was a prostitute selling her body for drugs. And I remember me and Benjamin Godwin, we picked her up one morning at six o'clock. She was walking down the street, man. She you know, hmm. just been down through there. We got her into the wings and, uh, you know, we began to minister to her. She began to get her life back together. Her nephew was 12 and he would come and see her. And I met him. And at the time, you know, I was rapping. So I had my little studio out there at the wings. I'd built a studio and I would let him go in there and play on the studio and do his thing. Then he started coming yeah. to outreaches with us and he just started following us around. Well, today that kid is 23 years old and he calls me his dad. Wow, and he's, man. you know, he's, he's wow. got a trade. He's working at a, at a Ford company in Huntsville, Alabama. I'm about to marry him and his fiance in February. And so <laughs> just this consistency and I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on Jesus because you know, sure. they're, to walk with somebody is hard. You know, one of the fruits of the spirit is long suffering. You yeah. know, when I came to Christ, I needed somebody to suffer long with me because I had a lot of attitudes and belief systems that, that weren't right. Right. And so yeah, you got to know that when you when it comes to have relationship with people, when it comes to really making fundamental change in your community, it's not going to be easy. You know, it's going to be tough. There's going to be moments where you want to give up. Um, you're going to question you know, what you're doing and is it worth it? It's easier to just say, hey, man, I'm just going to go to church, do my thing, worship the Lord. But, you know, I just think that God gives us the grace mm -hmm. we need to make a real impact in our community. So, yeah, I have seen it. Um, it's yeah. also a proven fact that, you know, every high risk kid needs at least five people in their life in order to succeed. And if you wow. look at all the success stories wow. of people, troubled youth that have made it out, they'll wow. all tell you there was somebody in my life. There was a yeah. coach. There was a teacher. There was a youth pastor. There was a mentor that stepped into my life and began to speak life into me. So, yes, wow. it was very powerful. Well, 
Yeah, man, that's so powerful. And and sometimes when you're for 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 people like you said, whether you're a youth pastor, a coach, a teacher, someone who's in a position where you have um, young people in your life, um, that that can be so often such a thankless position, such a thankless job, and so often you can be there for for a long time pouring into the person's life and it might even just seem like it's not having an effect or it's not having enough of an effect but again like you might not even know everything that they've been through and and why those walls are up in the way that they're up and so um i, I just i think what you're saying is so beautiful and just being able to i think i think that should encourage a lot of people out there that are working with with youth you know uh, that are working with young people just say hey just just keep going because the position that you're in and what you're doing and that love that you're that you're sharing you know that you're showing them and the lifestyle that you're modeling before them it's doing more than even what you might be able to see sometimes um and it's it's so valuable and just just being there and somebody having someone that they know that they could go to if they if they do have a a major issue or problem come up like it's so huge. It's so huge. Yeah. Um, and uh, man. Yeah, it is. I, um, I, I was um, I was I was thinking, too, about how just seems like more and more and more society is trying to kind of like blur those lines <laughs> between male and female, you know? Yes. Um, I I can't really imagine. I don't know. Maybe. I can't really imagine that it's actually the majority opinion, but it's such a, it's such a loud, strong agenda of, of doing that, you know, of like um, just blurring those lines. I mean, just for example, this is probably not a very good example, but just for example, um, there's a, uh, a, a, a right now competing in the, in, in the Olympics, which are going to start next week. I think it is uh, there's a, in from, from New Zealand, there's a, there's a trans woman who's a biological male who for the first time uh, I think in, in, in Olympic, you know, history, whatever is going to be competing in the women's division for weightlifting. And that's just like, that's, that's just an example, but like uh, stuff is definitely getting into different uh, just starting to affect society in general, where there's these lines that more and more and more, they're trying to push the line. They're trying to push that boundary and really blur those lines of there's no difference between male and female. And like you said already, man, like it has nothing to do. It has nothing to do with uh, men being better than women. Of course, men are not better than women. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> but yeah. we are different. Like, we are different. We were created different from the beginning. We were made. We were made to look different. We were made like we were made different from the beginning. Both men and women created in God's image, and so not one better than the other, but but definitely you know differences. And um, I don't know, man. This might be a heavy question, but um, I just imagine with the work that you do that that would be something that you've you know thought about or paid attention to. I mean, how 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 do you think that that's um, contributed maybe to just like the breakdown of, of, of what you're talking about, um, you know, fatherlessness being such a big issue. But so often, man, I think too, like, like we have fathers and we have men that are out of position, so to speak. And at the same time, we have women, mothers, women, you know, that are out of position, so to speak as well. And so how important do you think it is to, um, 
you know, we can talk as men, but I, I believe it would also uh, relate in the same way to women. But we can just talk as men because we're two men here. <laughs> I don't want to make any assumptions. But like, yeah, um, how important is that, man? Like men being in their in their position um, as God designed them and created them to be. It's it's vital. I mean, it's critically important. You know, I mean, it's um, it's order. You know, God's glory follows order. I truly believe that, that God has a design and that, you know, and God can do anything. We talked earlier about his redemptive power. So, you know, for those that don't have fathers, I mean, my father murdered my mother, but yet, you know, here I am today serving the Lord, working with fatherless mm. youth and things yeah. of that nature. So God has the power to do anything he wants to do in people's heart. But what we're talking about is a world that's out of order. And I just want to say this, you know, uh, transgenderism is nothing new. Paul Paul sure. addressed it in the Bible. He said men shouldn't be infeminate. We all know that, you know, it's nothing new, but and it's actually only one to two percent of the population. When you look at the mm -hmm. agenda, the loudest voices, you know, the, the, they're really not the majority, but they incite fear. Fear is a tactic. You know, they bully people into being quiet. And, you know, as a church, you know, we just have to stand on truth. You know, we, we fight a different way. We fight with our example. We fight with our love. We just continue to mentor, disciple people. And, you know, we know that the world is never going to accept the Lord, right? Well, we try to get everybody to while we're here. But, you know, we know that in the end, everybody's not going to accept the truth. Um, when you look at the scripture and you look at, of course, when God created Adam, he spoke to Adam. He gave him a mandate. He told Adam you know, don't eat of the tree. He gave Adam the commandments and Adam's job was to give that to his wife. Adam created out of the dust, made in the image of God. Then woman was taken from his rib. When I look at woman taken from his rib, it represents the equality of man and woman. Mm. That we're equal. We're side yeah. by side. But she was also under his arm, which means she was under his covering. While under his covering from his rib, ribs also protect your heart. So she was there to protect his integrity, to protect his character, to protect his name. So he has a he has a responsibility to cover her while understanding that she's equal. I mean, even science says that men and women are different. That's what's so amazing to me. Biologically, right. our chemical makeups are right. different. Women right. produce estrogen, more men produce testosterone. Our brains operate differently. It's proven by biological science. Yeah. And yet we're willing to throw all of that out of the window these days. So what mm. what, what do I think's behind it? Well, I believe in God. So I believe there's good, I believe there's evil. I believe there's right. I believe there's wrong. Um, I don't have a choice. I have to go by God's word. I have to submit to that, you know? Yeah. But when I look at the agenda, if you study out angels and if you even, even Jesus said that angels have no sex. So if right. we believe that Satan was a fallen angel, then we believe he has no sex. You know, even the, uh, the artist renditions of Balfamat, who is considered to be Satan, you know, he's a hermorphodite. He's, he's transgender. And I believe that behind this whole, uh, uh, agenda there, there is uh, a, a plot a scheme and uh, a sinister sinisterness to it to destroy the roles of men and women why it's god's order satan's job is to destroy humanity to destroy the identity of man because when he sees us he sees the image of god when i say man i mean mankind i mean humanity hmm. and so um those of us that know the truth we understand this god always presented himself as a father um, mm. The word father in Hebrew is the word Abba, and it means the sustainer of. The sustainer of life. He's the sustainer Good. of life. 
We believe that the father is the sustainer of the family, that the family is the foundational building block of society. This is how humanity procreates. It's how humanity relates to one another. So you look at the Trinity. I'm a Trinitarian. I believe in the Father, the Son, and yeah. the Holy Spirit. I believe that it's God in three persons. I believe that. Um, and so when I look at the Trinity, what I see, I know this is kind of deep. I'm kind of going off different ways. Here, no, man, it all you're comes good. Back together. Yeah. It all comes back together. I look at the Trinity. I look at the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I believe what they represent are perfect harmony, perfect mm. unity, and perfect love. Because the wow. Father says that what is mine is the Son's. What is the sons is mine. And you see the way that they relate to one another. And I believe that the family is supposed to be a resemblance of the Trinity, God on earth. So we've wow. got to remember that when God created mankind, he gave him dominion and he gave him authority. And he made the earth for man to dwell in as the image yeah. of God. And so everything that humanity is, humanity is, is supposed to be a reflection of who God is. Um. But what happens is the enemy knows that. So he tries to destroy the family so that he can mm. destroy relationships. And he does that by destroying the father. Affirmation. When we talk about discovering kids' purpose, when we talk about speaking life, we call that affirmation. Yeah. Right? Affirmation is key to people. Adam was given the authority to call the identity out of the animals. A father is given the authority to affirm and call the identity out of his wife and out of his children. There's something about the words of a father that are just not the same coming yeah. from a mother. Yeah. And so uh, Jesus was the example of this. Jesus walked the earth for 30 years and never performed a miracle. At the age of 12, we find him in the temple asking questions of the, of the religious leaders, and then he disappears for 18 years. Then at 30, he appears to John the Baptist, walks out in the water to be baptized. When he's baptized, what happens? The father affirms him. The yeah. father says, this is my son in whom yeah. I'm well pleased. After the father affirmed him immediately, it says the spirit led him to the wilderness. What was he led to the wilderness for? The Bible says to be tempted by the devil. Yep. What was happening? His identity was being solidified. So affirmation is key. So that a young person or a male, female, who even an adult knows who they are because their identity is always going to be tested. So to yeah, make man. a long story short, I believe all of this as an attack is on our identity as human beings. Yeah. And um, we receive a lot of kickback for what we do. Uh, we get a lot of negativity. Yeah, imagine. For, yeah. Yeah. Calling it man church. But we just believe it's God's order. And like you say, it's not about uh, inequality. We're not about machoism. Sure. Uh, we do not teach domination. We actually teach servant leadership that as a man, your responsibility is to serve your family, um, uh, to to be the leader through serving, self-control, um, controlling your tongue, um, being the one that leads the way. You know, a man yeah. with no vision is a man with no purpose. And so um, we are the ones that give vision to our families. That's what we believe. I hope all that mm -hmm. made sense. That was kind of a lot. <laughs> no, I appreciate it, man. That was so good. And uh, yeah, I. I I, I love what you're saying, man. It's like um, definitely has nothing to do with uh, men or women being better than the other or anything like that. But like, you know, I was thinking about what Paul said in, in Ephesians chapter five, and he starts out and he says, um, well, he says, wives, submit to your own husbands. Um, and, you know, some some men will get stuck on that and be like, you see, you got to submit. But then they don't keep reading <laughs> and because yeah. then a couple of verses later. He says, 
husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. And like, how did Christ love the church? <laughs> he died for her, first of all. He gave everything for his bride, for his church, for his people. He gave everything. He laid all of himself down. He gave himself completely so that we could have life. He became poor so that we could become rich. You know, he became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He he did all of that for us. And then, so now he's like, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And I think if we would <laughs> examine our lives, I think we say, okay, well, I've, I've fallen short in that area, you know, um, in something, you know, like, like it's, it's always looking at the example of Jesus so that we can grow, looking at the example of Jesus so that we can increase. As you said, Christ likeness and manhood are synonymous right synonymous. and so so <laughs> so looking at looking at jesus looking at his example to see okay this is how we should be treating our wives this is how we should be doing that and then the outflow of that is wives submit to your husbands as to the lord yes. you know because like we it's it's like creating that platform of safety creating that platform of security you know, creating that platform where we are calling those things out and they're free to be to be themselves and to and to and to flourish. And um, yeah, man, but I, um, I'm really glad you went where you went and uh, and you got as deep as you got, because um, I, I really uh, I mean, I agree with you, man. I think it's so key. I think that there's such an agenda to, to, to blur those lines and tear that down and to, you know, just kind of have this like. To, to get rid of the of of those the the structure you know what I mean the structure of a family that God designed the way that he designed it for a reason and um, as you said you shared those statistics that were really kind of mind-blowing you know what happens when when the that that authority structure is not in place and I also really love what you said because I mean thank God, for single parents too. Thank God for single moms. Thank God for, um, for, for these single mothers that are raising their kids. And I do believe that the grace of God is there present. So like whatever situation for anybody listening to this and being like, Oh, well, that's not my situation. So it's hopeless. Like, no, it's definitely not hopeless. Like whatever situation you're in, there is redemption and there is God's grace there for you to carry you through that. And to make sure like, um, in other words, single moms, single dads, like you can still raise your kids in a way that they have everything that they need to be successful, to be strong, to have secure identity. Um, but uh, because God's grace is just God's grace exceeds everything else, you know. And so it's not that situations are hopeless <laughs> when they're not in that in that right place. But uh, but I do love the fact that you um, that you focus so much on God's design for his people, you know, and God's design yeah. for family. You know, God wants us to know him as a father. You know, yeah. he's a good father. I, I believe that human beings are the only creatures in the universe that can know God's love as a father. You know, there's a verse in Ephesians chapter 3 where it says the church reveals a mystery of God. And what is that? It is redemption, which comes from his love. God so loved the world, he gave. He gave himself. He gave his very best. And like you just mm. said, that's what so we teach. That's what a father. That's what a husband does. It doesn't mean we raise entitled kids. Doesn't mean we never discipline. Doesn't mean we don't hold the line. It means that our job as men is to serve with love. He said, "Lay your life down, right? Love your wife the way that Christ loved the church, giving your life for her." Mm -hmm. And that is the reverse of Genesis three. 
remember the first thing that happened. So Adam and Eve were one. That's why she was named one man, man mm -hmm. with the womb is what that word means. He said, you know, your flesh of my flesh, your bone of my bone. They were one. There was yeah. no separation. They were one, just like God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit are one. Right. There you go, the image of God, perfect love, right? That's what we're looking for, perfect love, unselfishness, no self-preservation in you when you're in perfect love. You're not trying to preserve yourself. You're trying to give yourself, all right? But what happened after the fall, the curse was she, the Bible said that you will desire your husband. That word desire doesn't mean she thinks you're sexy and she wants your body. It means she desires your authority. She desires your position. And then the curse for the man was you will rule over her. That means mm. you'll dominate her. You'll rule over her. Well, yeah. the reverse, Jesus came to reverse the curse. Why? Yes. He gave us the Holy Spirit. The so Holy good. Spirit is the Spirit of God. He sanctifies our heart. He, he allows us to love in a way we can never love before. So when you read Ephesians 5, you're reading the reverse of Genesis 3. Mm. So naturally, when a man loves his wife the way that Christ loves the church, she will naturally want to follow his leadership because she knows he has my best interests at heart. He loves me. I can trust him. I put my faith in him. And as a man, we carry that responsibility, right? We, we yeah, have man. to make sure that we're loving them right. And that just comes through spending time with the Lord, knowing God is your father. It goes back to identity. It goes back to affirmation. All of those things are key for men to be developed into who Christ has made them to be. So, so good. So good, man. Um, so uh, before, because we're um, we're getting up close to to an hour, not quite an hour yet, but we're getting close. Uh, I wanted to to uh, ask you about intense men as well. Um, so this is a it's a camp, right? It's a it's a father son camp. Uh, I believe you told me it's the largest in the country. Is that is that correct? Yes, yes, it has been. Yes. So we 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 I know it's the largest in Texas and it has has been the largest in the country. So it is a wow. it's two and a half days. We own an 88 acre retreat center in Schulenburg, Texas, which is strategically placed between Austin, San Antonio and Houston. Three wow. big metropolitan areas. So it's 88 acres. So what we do every year during spring break, uh, we gather men and boys. Uh, we sponsor about 350 to 400 fatherless youth for the purpose of, you know, connecting them with ministries and churches that have men that can mentor them and father them. But we also fathers and sons come out and we teach messages like you're hearing manhood and Christ likeness are synonymous. What's it mean to be a man in the world we're living in? Who is Jesus? How did he represent masculinity? So we have sessions on Thursday night, Friday morning. We do what's called a father's affirmation. That's where we teach about the prodigal son and that every man needs to be affirmed by God. And you'll never mm. know who you are until God speaks to your heart and tells you you're my son. You're no longer a slave to fear. You haven't received the spirit of, of bondage, but you've received the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. I've seen men from five to 80 weep because they've never been hugged by a man. Mm. They've never been affirmed by another man. They've never heard a man look them in the eye and say, man, there's greatness in you. You're a good man. You're going to be a good father, whatever it may be, you know, just speaking words of life yeah. over them. It's a very powerful moment. But the main thing, we compete. We allow men to be men and we allow boys to <laughs> yeah, be boys. Man. I mean, it's not uh, upward. Nobody, no, everybody doesn't get a trophy. You have to win to get a trophy. We do have trophies. So we no do seven on, trophies. Hey, no, no. We do seven <laughs> on seven football. Only, only first place. We no runner ups in this game. We do softball. We do football seven on seven. We have three on three basketball. We do soccer. We have horseshoes, chess, dominoes. 
Uh, we also have a have a have a two acre lake where kids can catch their first fish. We have a ministry known as Blasting Cast. It comes out, teaches the kids how to. It's just an amazing time. The day is full. You have football fields where they're competing, basketball courts where they're competing, mm. soccer, and it's just three days of competition. Then at night we have more sessions. And then you go to the campfire, and as fathers, you share with the young men as sons the principles that they've learned through the day. Uh, mm. It's a great event. It happens this year, March 17th through the 19th. Uh, Ken Shamrock is going to be our guest speaker this year, along with a lot of other speakers, but he's going to be our main speaker. If you don't know who he is, he's the godfather of MMA. He was a, yeah, he was a foster kid, got in a lot of trouble. He actually started the first MMA training camp in America. If you remember the first UFCs where they had one style fighting the other style before there was ever mixed martial arts, he and uh he and the Gracie family were going at it every year in UFC. Wow, yeah, and, that's right. yeah, and th yeah. Then he started mixing up all the different methods of fighting: jiu-jitsu, kickboxing, mm. shoot wrestling, and he created the Lions Den, which is one of the first MMA. Uh, camps that there ever was so he's going to be our speaker he's got a powerful story of how he was a kid who grew up in institutions and then he was taken in by a by a man who became his father he adopted him and he fathered him and he shares the difference between being a statistic and being a son come on and that's so important to us even in our relationship with god many people are trying to work for god's approval they're caught up in this I've got to make God happy because they don't know what it means to be a child of God, that it's about relationship, that God's already done the work, that in Christ the work was already done, and now you just got to receive it. you got to walk in it, that God wants to know you as a child, and he wants you to know him as a father. That's the, that's the premise of everything we teach and everything we believe. So, yeah, intense men. It's going to be powerful. It's fun. It's power-packed. Uh, the music is great. The teachings are great, but the competition is even greater, so. That's awesome. So it's uh, three days or two and a half days of uh, intense competition, uh, learning principles of manhood um, and uh, and growth in, in Christ. And so you can check it out at IntenseMen.com, right? Again, it's www.IntenseMen.com. And uh, give us those dates again for, for, for 2022. This year, it'll be March the 17th through March the 19th. So it'll start Thursday evening and it'll go uh, all the way through Saturday. Awesome, man. Awesome. So cool. Uh, you know, just as you were talking, I had this thought and um, we'll get ready to wrap this up. But, um, you know, Jesus said that a, a servant doesn't abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. And and just going back to what you've been talking about this whole time, that understanding of identity and and, um, you know, John chapter one, verse 12 says very simply, as many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God. And that's God's desire. That verse could have said anything, could have said great men of faith. It could have said, you know, whatever, but it didn't say that it said children of God. It's like, well, why would you want to become a child? <laughs> like as a grown man, as a grown woman, why would you want to be become a child? Well, because a, a son, and that goes for daughters as well, abides in the house forever. And, you know, I know like with my kids, I could like my kids, they're welcome in my house. They live here. This is their house too. I, I could have a guest come and stay. And we often have guests come in and they can, I mean, we have guests that come and stay for extended periods of time sometimes. And it's, it's fine. But at some point there's this understanding that like, this is not your home. So <laughs> like you can stay here as long as you need to, but at some point you're going to have to get out of here because, because this is not your home, but my, my sons, they've never once said to me, Hey dad, can I sleep in my own bed tonight? No, like they know that they're welcome. They know that they have access to all of my stuff. And, 
And Jesus has done such a complete and perfect work on the cross through his death, burial, resurrection, his ascension, his glorification, through all of it, that it's like fini- the, the, works, the work has been finished to bring us into the presence of God and to bring us into the inheritance and the blessing and the glory that he's always had with the Father. And he's brought us into it because we couldn't get it by ourselves. And he doesn't just give us like a little piece and say, you've got to, you've got to like, just have this. And then like, you know, in heaven, we'll figure the rest out. He's like, no, hold on. I want them in John chapter 17. He's like, he's like, I want these who you've given me. I want them to, to, to share in my glory, right? That they would, that they would, that they would know the glory that I've had with you since the very beginning. That he doesn't hold us back, but he invites us into all of that. And that's what sonship and daughtership, that's what that's that door that's open as we recognize that. And so understanding our position of identity in him. And so I love what you're doing, man. It's so key. The 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 role of the father in the home, uh, teaching, teaching men, young men and adult men, uh, you know, teaching just teaching those principles of serving, you know, serving your family, serving your community again, not in, in a never, never in a dominating way, never in a domineering way, never in this way that elevates one above the other, but just like, you know, down there, man, as I said at the beginning, like in the trenches with people and teaching, teaching men, teaching people how to serve well. And in that process of, of serving well, you represent Jesus. You know, you represent Jesus to your family. You represent Jesus to your community, to the world around you. So even as you said in a couple of different examples, like how people will start to look and to see, you know, there's something different about this person, even without being able to, to open up the Bible and share scripture, depending on what context you're in, that people will see the light of Christ shining through you as you begin to understand your identity as a child of the most high God, that you're completely loved, you're completely accepted. Um, and, uh, yeah, man. So again, brother, really just appreciate you. Appreciate your time. I appreciate all that you're doing for the kingdom, man. Um, you're blessing so many people and uh, bless you've, you've blessed me. And it's just been a blessing to know you, man, for real. Um, any any final thoughts or anything before we uh, wrap this up? Uh, just just want to tell you thanks for having me on. I uh, really appreciate it. Giving us an opportunity to share what God is doing and, um, you know, just believing great things for you, for your wife, for Legacy Church. Um, I want to say that, man, I just want to tell you that uh, I was thinking about you earlier today and I was, you know, you've been a very faithful and loyal, loyal man to the kingdom. And loyalty is such a rare quality, even in ministry. And I've watched you as you've served Bishop Bennett and, and the team. And, man, I just want to want to want to say I want to honor that in you, man. So just uh, believe in great things for you. I just want to encourage people that are listening, you know, uh, no matter where you're at in your life, you know, um, you can make a difference. No matter where you find yourself or what you've been through, um, God is a good God. He's a good father. You can overcome any circumstance, any situation, and God's got great things for you. So be encouraged today and share that with others as you go about your day-to-day. So good. Awesome. Love it, man. Well, thank you again, and thank you, everybody, for checking out this episode. Really appreciate you guys as well. Hope you have an awesome day. Uh, This episode, along with all past episodes, you can catch them uh later on on spotify apple google podcasts all the major places where you can get your podcasts so really appreciate you if you were blessed if this episode um added any kind of value to your day to your life if you're looking for a way that you can support this channel you can do that by 
subscribing, by sharing, or leaving a review. All of that would be super, super helpful so that we can make sure that we can uh, reach more and more people with um, with this podcast. So thank you, everybody. Have an awesome day and uh, see you next time.